the scientific methodology would tell you that if you're going to really prove that something is correct, you first have to try to prove it wrong. So if you have a hypothesis in science and you want to move that hypothesis forward, you know, the first step is to prove it wrong. And if you can't prove it wrong, you're probably on the right track. Welcome to the Agile Digital Transformation Podcast, where we explore different aspects of digital transformation and digital experience with your host, Tim Butera, Content and Community Manager at Agile Drop. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Our guest today is Aaron Clymer, founder and CEO of the full-stack data consulting firm Data Climber. Today, we'll be talking about how to do data right, and Aaron will also share his approach to being data-driven and how you can instill such an approach into your own company's culture. Aaron, welcome to the show. It's great having you here. Excited to talk with you about this. Anything you want to add here? Thank you, Tim. No, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm also excited to talk about this, as always. Awesome. And and from what I understood during our initial conversations, we were we were kind of deciding on the topic. You have a pretty unique background and hence a pretty unique approach to being data driven. And I'd like to start off with you telling us a little bit more about this, about what kind of advantages, what kind of peculiarities you've seen following your particular approach. Oh, well, yeah, I think maybe half the story is is some of the technology that's come along in the last five plus years here. And half of it is just, I think, methodology around how to, you know, how people can really access data in a self-service way. I always think that's the key to really making a difference with data is having a lot of people have access to the data they should have access to for their job and being able to access it, you know, self-service anytime and answer most of their questions by themselves so they can quickly move on to the next thing and and have you know ideas generate quickly and uh, get answers quickly. That's how that's how a lot of people can impact a business all at once with data. What about the part about you frequently wanting to prove yourself wrong and kind of using data for that? How that 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 sounds really interesting to me because typically you know we use data because we kind of want something that we've one of our hypotheses or one of our, our theories to be proven right. So so what's the deal? We're trying to prove ourselves wrong. Yeah, that's that's true. Very good point. And most people, of course, are going to try to prove themselves right. Um, that that idea comes really from the scientific method. I started out my career in science, really. Mm-hmm. So I have two degrees in in science um, before I really got in more into high tech and data. And you know, the scientific methodology would tell you that if you're going to really prove that something is correct, you first have to try to prove it wrong. So if you have a hypothesis in science and you want to move that hypothesis forward, you know, the first step is to prove it wrong. And if you can't prove it wrong, you're probably on the right track, you know, and then the question is, can other people prove it wrong? And if they can't prove it wrong, then maybe it becomes more of a theory and more of a working truth. So I think that if you can apply that to business and and it's very difficult, right? It takes a lot of self-control and rigor and, you know, really try not to be biased if you can. And if you, you know, if you have an idea about, why something's happening and you have some data you think might explain it. Yeah. Try to prove it wrong. You know, try to show how the data would show the opposite or show, you know, nothing at all. (laughs) And um, if you can do that, then maybe, you know, you got to keep investigating, but if all the data does point to some, you know, outcome you're looking at, then maybe, maybe that's, that's true because it's, 
you know, I think data is still very hard to interpret sometimes. And there's a lot of, you know, you can prove anything with statistics, as they say. So um, it, it's it's worth trying to think uh, differently about that. And it's a win-win, right? Because if you prove yourself wrong, then you save precious time and resources and everything else that you would have otherwise invested in, in a wrong solution. But if all of your efforts to, to try to prove yourself wrong turn out to actually solidify your initial hypothesis, then, you know, that, then that makes it even more kind of foolproof in a way. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, people waste a lot of time going down the wrong path because, because they think they have it right. And, you know, if at the end of the day, if you don't see a result from whatever action you want to come up with based on your analysis, yeah, it's a big waste of time, energy, and a lot of money usually. So this is one of the main negative consequences of not doing data right. What are some other ones here? Well, I think that not only can it be a waste of time, but again, it can be very costly. You know, if you if you go down the wrong path, you you can lose a competitive advantage in your industry. Um, you can waste a lot of time not not gaining more market share. You know, you can lose a bunch of customers. You know, and on and on. I mean, you can really destroy a lot of value at a company if you're really chasing the wrong thing. So it's it's you know it's actually really important to to try to get it right as fast as you can. And how can you, like specifically, how can you instill this data-driven mindset that we spoke about initially into the culture of your company and also help your team become, and I really like the phrase that, that we used here, how can you help your team become data heroes? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very difficult. You know, the status quo and um, is hard to is hard to change a lot of times, and people have you know momentum going a certain direction. So to, behavior change is the hardest thing you, you, know, you can do. I mean, imagine changing any habit you have that you don't like. You know, trying to form a new habit is really hard. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of repetition, a lot of uh, just daily practice, if you will. So it's the same with data. You know, the first there's there's two sides of this coin the first is how you prepare data how you how you get it ready for the business how you make it easy to use easy to understand you make it trustworthy all of that that takes a lot of work and that's that's a lot of what we do at data climber is getting all that data ready for business to be able to analyze it from lots of different data sources so you have a 360 degree view of your business or your client or your product and then the other side of the coin is then getting the business data ready, right? So how do you get the business ready to use the data? And that's often the harder part because that involves more human beings. <laughs> so that's more of the behavior change I'm talking about. The beautiful thing is, um, you know, there maybe there's a couple things I'd say about that. One is regardless of the tools, technology, the systems and the data, there's lots of ways to interject data into your daily business processes. And again, it's more about habit breaking, right? Or habit making in this case. So just give you a couple examples. You you can put, you know, you could require that data is is brought to every important business meeting. I, I used to work for a bunch of product companies and we would require that every week, every product manager brought data to the table to back up whatever their um, roadmap was, was, whatever their opinion was about um, the way a product should go, you know, whatever decisions they're making. But they had to show data to be able to move the product forward. So it just became part of the business process. And you can do that in a lot of ways. You can just require data as, as part of um, lots of meetings in the company. Um, and so, you know, putting data into the pro into everybody's business process, and it doesn't matter whether it could be, you could be in sales, marketing, product, 
Um, I have a great story, quick story about PR. I, I once uh, gave a data set to a couple PR folks and they, they were able to come up with stories every a couple of days they could publish as a press release, self-service without having to ask anybody else in the company, you know, for the content for their story because the data told, you know, the stories they were trying to tell. So putting that in your process. And then the other thing is back to the technology for a minute. This is like become night and day more easy to do more recently in the last five years, I'd say there's this proliferation of what we call modern cloud stack data tools or modern business intelligence tools. Most end users really just see the last, the, the, the user interface, you know, the piece that integrates or interfaces with the data. And there's a lot of popular tools out there that people might be familiar with, like Tableau or, um, or Looker or Sigma computing, even Power BI is becoming very popular with in a Microsoft crowd. But all those tools, they, they've come so far in, to, in the sense that it's very, very much, much easier to use. They often will query live the data in your data warehouse. So you're getting up-to-the-date data and you can query it at detail, right? You're not stuck with just these high-level aggregations. You know, if you're looking at a, let's say a, a sales, a monthly sales report, you can drill and drill and drill and get down to every single transaction, you know, in that underneath the report really easily. So the technology has become so much easier to use that people can become data heroes in their company because, and they don't have to be technical is kind of the point, because they can take these tools that are so easy to use and push them really far across the company without having to know data engineering or SQL or really anything else uh, technical, which is the beauty of it all. So, so the cloud is really a major player here because of all the abundance of data and everything. So, so what are... What are the specifics, the benefits of storing your data in the cloud? We already you already started talking about this, and I'm also interested in if there are like particular use cases where this is like really a must versus just a nice to have. What's the deal here? I always think it's a must because I do think this is a competitive advantage that every organization will have with their data. There's always ways to get a lot of value out of your data. Sometimes you monetize your data directly as well. So it's, that's really obvious, but other ways, it just influences all your strategic thinking when you do it right. And so, and so yes, the cloud is just a de facto requirement now. The cloud has solved, not the cloud itself, but all of these tools that are cloud you know, native have solved 90% of all of the headaches of this whole space. So data warehousing for 30 years, was really hard because the performance was just not there. You know, even 10 years ago, you could you you just couldn't give people access to the real low grain data, the detailed data, it just wouldn't perform. All the queries would bog down the system if you had everybody in the company, you know, querying this data all the time. Whereas today, you can. So you can give 500 people, 1000 people, you know, 10,000 people access to the same data and there will not be any performance issues because in the cloud the performance scales indefinitely. The, not only does the actual data storage scale indefinitely now, but the actual performance, all the compute can be um, scaled out, or scaled, sorry, I shouldn't say scaled out because it doesn't scale out, but scaled indefinitely. You can support unlimited number of users and you just can never do that with on-premise solutions. It, you Eventually you always ran out of resources. So this idea of flexible, on-demand, elastic, and really uh, practically in, you know, infinite resources changes the game. And, and this really ties back to what you said, what you highlighted as like the most important thing in the beginning when you said that data needs to be accessible to everybody that's that's working with it. And, and if I understand correctly, 
this wasn't possible or still wouldn't be possible without the cloud, without everybody having access at the same time to the same data without any drops in performance or something like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The companies that did that best 10, 15 years ago also spent about 10 to 20 times the amount of cost to be able to do that. So it's just much more practical and cost-effective these days as well. And also you mentioned before that you need to find good ways to kind of include these data to kind of, you know, it's not just about making it accessible to everybody, but in what kind of way you make it accessible to everybody, right? And here we need to talk a little bit about data visualization. And I'm guessing that a lot of advancements have been kind of going on in this space as well recently. Yeah, those tools I mentioned before just make it so much easier now to create a story with the data through visualization. I always have to kind of go back to also just the, the, the basics of understanding when we talk about data, what I'm talking about is having all of the data that you need to see your business in one place in a data warehouse specifically. That's just the best practice. Usually companies these days are running themselves on 20, 30, 50 SaaS applications sometimes. There's so many different solutions out there that companies are running on. You know, you have your CRM, you have your marketing automation tools, you have social, you know, advertising, social apps, you've got, you know, on and on and on financial, lots of different sales tools as well. So all those things have different data in them about your customers and your products. You can't see it all. If you go to those individual tools, you have to centralize that data in a data warehouse. Then you can see it all in one place. And once it's been modeled and, and transformed correctly, so it's easy to use and easy to, to tie it all together, then you can make some really powerful visualizations and uh, and really tell a story quickly. And, and that that's, again, it's it's usually uh, the, the power of having data side by side, it's really hard to measure. It's so powerful. So just an example, often if you're trying to look at a, let's say you're looking at a bunch of clients and you're looking at three different parameters about those clients and those three different parameters come from three different systems, you know, you often would never be able to put those side by side because it would just take too long. It would take you all day to put together one graph, you know, with these three numbers trended, let's say. But if they're if they're together in a data warehouse, you can do it in, you know, in 10 minutes in a, a nice visual tool. And, the, and it might reveal a whole story, you know, that you didn't you didn't know was there. And also you mentioned earlier on that one of the main characteristics of data is that it's really inherently hard to interpret and visualization is like the the kind of main way of interpreting it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and there's, there's a lot of little tricks that I often people don't sort of fully follow through with. Like there's this idea of reducing cognitive load of the reader or the end user of the, the consumer of your graph. Mm. So for instance, if you're showing two trend lines but what really matters is the difference between those trend lines, because that's really what's important, because it's a difference of positive or negative. You should calculate that difference and trend the difference, right? So that because that's what people are doing in their head. They're calculating, oh, what's the difference between those two things, you know? And so making things really easy for the end user to just see exactly what they're trying to see can make all the difference in the world. And it's just one extra step or two often when you're developing a nice visualization. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Well, the last thing that I want to talk with you today, Aaron, is privacy. Of course, we haven't yet touched upon this. And specifically, I'm wondering uh, what kind of impact do you expect 
future privacy regulations to have on you know everything that we've talked about these attempts by companies and being data driven at co collecting as much data as possible yeah that's that's going to be very very interesting over the next few years it's always been tough to there's so many different contexts for this but let's let's take marketing for instance it's always been really uh, a challenge to identify prospects in your marketing funnel before they've revealed themselves to you right before they've signed up and giving giving you their contact information and that's tightening down quite a bit right so what do you do well i think because the patterns are always what matters more usually than the individual i think we're still going to get plenty of information about patterns you know buying patterns um engagement patterns with your company and there's a lot of tricks under the covers once a, a person has identified themselves to you to be able to stitch that back together with some other data to see what what they how they've been engaging with your company. But so that's one thing is just um, just how do you continue to really identify people? On the other hand, there's the privacy of them of their data themselves. And I mean, I think that that's actually been a long time coming. I was really glad to see a lot of requirements coming out like GDPR and in California, CCPA and, and others, I think that's really going to help keep people's data private to a certain extent. Uh, and I think it's being implemented pretty well. It needs, there's, there's still a long way to go, but I think that's going to, it's going to help people trust these systems more and maybe engage more with companies, which will be a good thing. And overall, it seems like a good balance of give and get. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of changes still coming. I think that phasing out of third-party cookies was planned for this year, but because of everything that we just talked about, it's been postponed right till till 2024, if I'm not mistaken. It's it's hard to to have your finger on the pulse on every single little thing, especially with you know the advancements in GPT and and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, definitely a lot more exciting stuff on the horizon and a lot of changes for coming, especially as you pointed out for everybody working in digital marketing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch what happens there. Well, this has been a great, excellent, very fun and insightful conversation, Aaron. Just before we jump off the call, if listeners uh, listening right now would like to reach out, get in touch with you, learn more about Data Climber, how can you do that? Oh, very simple. Yeah, go to our, our website is the best. It's dataclimber.com and Climber is spelled C-L-Y-M-E-R. That's my last name. So it's a play on that uh, and it, it works well. So um, yeah, dataclimber.com and, and there's ways to contact us there. I, I love the wordplay, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, A lot of great analogies. Like yeah, I know you, if you can't see me, uh, there's a picture of people hiking up a mountain in the background and we, we look at ourselves as like mountain guides guiding our clients up the mountain of data that they are creating. Wow, that's such a cool analogy. Awesome. Aaron, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us today. As I said, this has been fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Well, to our listeners, that's all for this episode. Have a great day, everyone, and stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to check out our other episodes, you can find all of them at agiledrop.com slash podcast, as well as on all the most popular podcasting platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues.